You're listening to the Revenge of the Birds podcast, part of the SB Nation podcast network, all about your Arizona Cardinals. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome in. This is the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Got a nice new uh, intro that we kind of started this week, which... Um, Love it. I, I know that it was like I, I was talking even with John in, the, uh, in a message, you know, slid into the uh, the direct message earlier this week. Um, we were just looking kind of for a little bit more of like the sound as far as with the podcast, not jump quite into that. And despite us being more of maybe a little bit like your rock or the, maybe not the Chicago rock type or a little bluesier style, the, uh, the sound was just too good is what I said. Like, John, this, this is too good. I, I got to go with this. So, uh, that's how it was. Uh, we don't have anything, unfortunately, Cardinals related for that one with the rat, maybe as, uh, some of the other podcasts might a little be a little more Cardinals theme, but we are going to be probably, uh, the most real and most forward-looking Cardinals podcast on the web. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight with the Revenge of the Birds podcast here. Uh, I'm Blake Murphy, if you're listening for the first time, joined as always by the Venerable John Venerable. And we're going to do something that uh, after week one is done, we're going to go ahead and kind of preview where we feel the Cardinals are strong at with their positions. We're going to talk a little bit about with what we're seeing uh, around the league and with the NFL draft that's coming up in 2020. We do like to talk draft. Now, we aren't talking quarterback this year for the first time in a while after Kyler Murray rallies his Cardinals back from a 24-6 deficit to lead him to a 27-27 tie. And then we'll kind of preview the upcoming opponent, the Baltimore Ravens. But, John, we uh, are recording this here on a, a Monday night. We did just get some news, at least, of the Cardinals signing Jordan Mills potentially to a uh, to a contract. And, John, I know you've talked a long time about the Cardinals needing tackle needs. I agree with you here that the right tackle was kind of a huge issue for the Cardinals up front. They did have a little bit with the offensive line where Kyler had four balls batted down, but what were your thoughts on at least just breaking down some of the Cardinals players? Did you think the line played well enough overall, or what do you see as far as with some of the needs for this team? Because I know we've only got, like at this point, two guys on one-year deals and Humphreys, and on the other side, you've got Gilbert, who's probably out for a while now, and then you've got... Uh, maybe a little bit of guys who could be stronger up front for the most part, but overall I felt like J.R. Sweezy played well enough, and I felt like the team, in, in essence at least, does need some more help up front. That to me seems to be one of the biggest issues that the Cardinals had in this game was Kyler Murray got sacked five times. He didn't seem to be that he was either leaving the pocket too early or running into some of those things earlier plays that counted as a sack. It did seem like the Lions were able to get pressure, and that seems to me to be maybe the biggest Achilles heel for this team so far this year at least that I can tell on the offensive side of the ball yeah absolutely I thought that they early on had a hard time establishing any kind of push up front um, but I think a lot of that was contributed to Detroit having a, a, an underrated front seven um, but then also breaking in a new right tackle Justin Murray who if this Jordan Mills signing happens could be one and done at right tackle um, and trying to get him up to speed quickly. I, I think that that was unfortunate uh, for the team and him to be in. I mean, Thursday is really your last padded practice um, 
Friday is usually a travel day, maybe Saturday, and then you got a walkthrough mixed in there. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, he had like two practices under his belt. They tried to cram in a bunch of plays Thursday night. We know Kingsbury's offense is complex. Gilbert was really the Cardinals' centerpiece offensive line addition. They they yep. traded a six round pick for me to pick uh, to Pittsburgh, inherited his salary, and he's a top ten right tackle in football when he's healthy. He's not right now, and could potentially be on the shelf for a while with this Mills signing. Um, and so I I was not as discouraged as um, had Marcus Gilbert played and just didn't play well. Uh, Jr. Sweezy yeah. on the, the other hand played really well. Outside of the one sacking of um, of Kyler Murray, at least, which is the one play that went viral that had everyone talking up. And there's lots of, you know, we can pull up accounts or names of people who were just trashing Kyler, trashing Cliff. And then at the end, just to see the explosion of there was a lot of people like, ah, Kyler, who were the people who you felt like were the ones who were rooting for the kid to succeed, but the ones talking and the ones who were pushing Cliff and Kyler down, they were the ones I didn't. I didn't see any comments from them on that timeline for the most part. Yeah, and I, you know what? To me, I, I think he was just trying to do too much, trying to hold off. I think two or three guys uh, in in that sequence, based on um, Murray really not knowing where to be uh, in that in that given in that yeah, given the sequence. Right of those was deep. He wanted to go through the window, and what I noticed with one of the plays earlier in the game, it was almost a design play where what J.R. Sweezy would do, and he even did this in Seattle, is. If Murray ends up starting to scramble like Russell Wilson did and Sweezy's not blocking anyone, his next task is he looks around and looks for a guy to block. And so he was aware it looked like that that Justin was beat off the edge for that when he was coming around the back. And so he turned around and was going to basically be that second blocker to just take him out. And then that way Murray had a clear path. The timing of it ended up being wrong where Kyler ran right into him as he turned around. And instead of basically like kind of putting his hands up or just, you know, trying to move it around because they were in the end zone, essentially, or like almost in the end zone, didn't want to get the safety. So he tries to hurdle Kyler Murray, which it's like, okay, well, I mean, like he's 5'10". I know we've made some of the short jokes, but he's not that short. And it just turned into kind of a spot of where it was just wrong place, wrong time, and turned into one of those like NFL kind of awkward moments where you've got a a lineman essentially sacking his own quarterback. And after that, though, he had the highest grade of any of the offensive line players on the team uh, as far as with blocking, being able to do the protections and really helped out a lot. So I think that's one of the bigger pickups that you've had so far. Uh, It's disappointing to me that Justin Pugh hasn't been able to be the kind of best lineman on the team versus a guy like Sweezy, but he didn't end up being a guy like worth last year. The Cardinals had all sorts of offensive line problems. He didn't sound like he was one of the guys contributing. I could a lot of credit then with this interior of him, Pugh and AQ Shipley of being a good enough offensive line that you don't feel like you're going to end up having to go out and I feel like the biggest issue honestly that I'm worried about is the edge rushers John uh, that's the biggest thing I worry about maybe Mills is a guy who can kind of cement some of that be like the Earl Watford pickup of a few years ago he's got some like what is that like some ridiculous number of starts I think it's like 82 starts in the NFL so there's experience the Dolphins cut him because he was set to make three million dollars that year kind of a both a cap casualty and a fact that they probably didn't think they were going to be without Laramie Tunsil at the time where they released him but he is a guy where if he can come in and be able to give enough for the team, then I think that that's something where you can at least get through the season and then you get into the off season. So moving on with the offensive line to kind of the rest of the offense before we look at the defensive side, 
The tight ends were hardly used. Mostly it was as blocking. There was a nicely designed play where Max Williams executed. Um, You're probably going to use the tight ends, not like Arians used all the time with the 11 and 12 personnel. You're going to use them occasionally where you'll need to have a couple of running plays or when like on kind of that slip screen trick you'll use. Uh, The tight ends were fine. But my concern, John, that I saw with the wide receivers was Kyler wasn't on the same page with all of them, and it was fine, but they really did not have any big plays that were made except to Larry Fitzgerald, and they didn't really have anything that you could see. Like, Kirk had a drop that maybe he could have gone for a little ways with, and he showed some nice moving skills off of the line on some of these jet sweeps. But your big play weapon was the 36-year-old wide receiver who clearly is still got it because he's never lost it. But they just didn't seem to have a second guy who could take the top off the defense. Um, and I don't know if that's something that Andy Isabella can have if he develops some bomb. But that was the biggest concern I had was if you end up having guys who suddenly double bracket Larry Fitzgerald and if they stuff the run on David Johnson, I didn't know where else they were going to go with with the ball for the most part. And that's the only concern that I had, John, was just, I don't know, what, what were your thoughts on the other playmakers in this team through the first half with the struggles and then even to the second half when they did start making plays? Yeah, I thought that they tried to do too much. I thought they had trouble separating. It's not only Kyler Murray's first live NFL action. Keyshawn Johnson had never played in an NFL game before. Oh man, I thought he looked better in the second half. Really outside of Larry, I thought the receivers had trouble separating. We talked about it in our last pod. Christian Kirk looked like he was trying to do too much. He had Darius Slay on him. That that hampered mm-hmm. his production. I expect him to have bigger and brighter games, but if he's going to be a a de facto number one receiver for this team, or at least a high-end number two receiver, he's got to work his way off a press man and be a little bit more physical, uh, come back to the ball a little quicker. And I think David Johnson ran a little bit tentatively, uh, especially at the end of the first half. I thought um, he could have been a little bit more physical, and to his credit, he was as the game went on. I think there was just a lot of guys Mm -hmm. either getting acclimated to NFL speed or knocking rust off. But I I think when you see the struggles that they had, separation specifically from the receiving core, um, and they did not target the tight end all that often. I think Max uh, Williams had a had a catch late in the game, maybe in overtime, but that was about it. I didn't I don't remember Charles Clay being targeted at all. Um, You you can see why Michael Crabtree is going to have a presence in this offense, and that why he was brought on and why they were looking for a veteran receiver. Um, The rookies to this point, outside of Keyshawn Johnson, Andy Isabella is a non-factor right now as he works through his way up the the depth chart he's a he's the de facto return man and then your fourth round pick Hakeem Butler is on IR so the Cardinals are going to have to look for playmakers elsewhere I still think again Kirk is is prime for a a 1200 yard receiving season Um, and then if you get contributions like you did Sunday even close to that from Larry I think the Cardinals Mm -hmm. are going to be fine David Johnson is arguably the best receiving back of all football they're going to get targets but I think, again, you are breaking in for a lot of these players their third offensive scheme in three years. You go from mm-hmm. Bruce Arians to Mike McCoy now to Cliff Kingsbury. Those are And three you still had the second offensive coordinator, too, which changed up a lot of the yes, plays in the playbook. Absolutely. So you had, you had Byron Leftwich calling different plays at the end of last year, too. Um, so, again, people need to understand this is a work in progress, Cliff but they want new, yeah. improvement. Kyler got better as the game went on. It'd be one thing if he started hot, didn't make adjustments. That wasn't the case. The rookies, I thought, played exceptionally well down the stretch. Uh, again, I have the the highest confidence that Christian Kirk is going to emerge, at least as a high-end number two. I think he projects as a Doug Baldwin, Marvin Jones kind of player um, where I think he could, he could have you know uh, a nice – 
um, you know, yards per catch and eight to 10 touchdowns. But again, he, you could tell Murray and he are close. They're close on the sideline. He wants to feed him the football. I like the creativity late by Kingsbury getting, getting him involved with the end around that he broke multiple tackles. You could just tell he just wanted to contribute. But I think what Kyler needs to understand, and I'm sure they spoke on this is just take what the defense is giving you, check it down, throw it away, clearly you can't turn the corner and, and run it. This is an Iowa state, right? And I think he tried that two or three times. It's just get rid of the ball, get rid of the ball, take the check down, take the underneath throw. And they, they started to simplify things and, and get to a little bit more pitch and catch instead of just trying to heave it down the field consistently. And with the Cardinals pass protection, at least early in games until they establish the run, they're not going to be able to do that. So again, I, I think I was encouraged with what I saw late in the game. And I hope that's what we see against Baltimore, Blake. Yeah, what's encouraging for me that you mentioned in Crabtree is when you think about how many combined games the Cardinals wide receivers have played, you're looking at less than a full season because Kirk didn't even play the full season last year. And you've got, even with Demir Bird, he was mostly always a special teamer who didn't really get as many starting snaps. And it was Keyshawn Johnson's first NFL game. You're going to be adding a caliber guy of Michael Crabtree who, while he's older, he's very much the type of outside wide receiver that fits Kyler you talk about the back shoulder fades you talk about being able to get a couple of the yards after catch and being a guy who ultimately has a lot of experience Uh, I'm optimistic that he can at least give enough of a boost where if you're looking for a long-term solution I don't think that he's going to be as much of the one that you had now he did sign a a nice sizable deal for one year and he's a Texas Tech guy who's familiar with the air raid concepts But what I'd like him the most about is I can look at what Keyshawn Johnson did on Sunday and I can immediately plug Michael Crabtree right into that same type of role. And then you actually have a rotation of wide receivers now where you could potentially see Demir Bird come in on maybe some of the other plays. And you can even maybe not have to bring in some of those tight ends as much if you're feeling like you need to, you know, if you're going to have two wide receivers on the field, it might be that it's, hey, maybe it's Fitz and Crabtree for the most part. Who are your two guys? If they can find as close to a partner for Fitz, um, who's got some of that experience, then maybe that's a huge plus, I think, for this receiving core. Uh, on the secondary end, um, I think that the good news for them with, as far as with Chris Jones and Byron Murphy, I know that we've we had a lot of discussions about who was the pick for the Cardinals that they needed to be. And I think Murphy made a huge case this last week that he's going to be one of those guys who you hopefully will start seeing a lot of Byron Murphy jerseys around. They ranked him very highly as their highest corner in the draft as a top six player. And I think his addition is huge, especially in the fact of when you've added another physical type of cornerback. And when you're talking about what the Cardinals are going to be built around as far as an identity, he brings a tenacity, a nastiness, and even has ball skills to be able to go with it. And I think that as far as the Cardinals go with the corner position, I don't know where they're at going to be in, say, the 2021 season, but as far as where they are right now, for the most part, you're going to be talking about a strength of the team, and that's really encouraging to me, John, because um, I know we even have had questions and conversations about should they have taken Murphy, should they have taken Cody Ford, or what was the right choice? I think yeah. that at least in this spot you can say, hey, if there was a cornerback next year that have taken, that would have been great, but I don't know if they would have had the opportunity to have a talent, a guy who I thought was going to go you know, top 10, top 15, potentially at his peak, or at least was going to be a first-round pick maybe might not be there for where the Cardinals are picking next year. And in that case, hey, hats off to the Cardinals for at least taking the best talented guy who was there on the board. And it turned out he needed to be a lot more needed earlier on the season than we may have ever expected with Robert Alford's injury. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm the biggest critic of that pick. I thought it was um, unwarranted at the time. I understand if you're rebuilding, there's no position that you shouldn't address if it's the you know rated so highly on your board. And I can understand that. But I looked at it in the microcosm of the Cardinals really hadn't addressed their offensive line significantly right. um, in terms of draft capital. You and I had talked about it at nauseum throughout the duration of the offseason. I thought that if they, in fact, were going to take Kyler Murray, that pick 33, or if they had gotten an additional early second round pick, was going to be reserved for, for an offensive lineman, either a guard or a tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when you think about the other positions that could be addressed, well, what, what were the other positions that the Cardinals were considering first overall? Pass rusher or a defensive, a disruptive defensive lineman. Well, it wasn't either one of those things. It wasn't addressing the line of scrimmage, it was taking a cornerback. Now, a cornerback that they deemed to have a top 10 grade overall um, right. in a position where the Cardinals, I didn't think, needed to um, address. Now, that mm-hmm. that's clearly not, not the case now, and you can say hindsight, um, but again, I was looking at that in the microcosm of Peterson is your full-time number one corner you're paying big-time money to, and then you gave Albert Alford big-time money. So I was frustrated with that pick. With that being said, I mean, I, I, I can't not watch Byron Murphy and come away impressed. Um, to me, I think he looked uh, the best out of any defensive back late in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. I said this um, in my article on the revenge of the birds.com. I think he's got a chance to be the team's best and most physical corner mm-hmm. since Aeneas Williams, not best overall corner. I think we, we would agree. Patrick Peterson's going to be in the hall of fame one day. He's going to be breaking up passes just by the brunt of the hits with the way yes. that his pans play. And just the fact that when you're looking at the teams yesterday, he had what one kind of error that was there for the most part, but otherwise he, it wasn't that he was like a lockdown, but he played more of like how you'd expect a veteran corner to play. And that's exceptionally encouraging encouraging for the Cardinals to see considering that they've been so depleted where some people are talking about how they'd be giving up you know 50 points a game and instead Byron Murphy I think is a big reason why they're going to be looking at maybe more of a middle of the road defense which is again tremendous step up from where they were at last year absolutely if you didn't watch Aeneas Williams play um if you're a younger fan um he was obviously he's in, he's in the Hall of Fame for a reason. He transitioned to safety later in his career. He was so physical um, at, at the point of attack. It, he beat up op- opposing wide receivers. Now that was in a different mm-hmm. time where you could be more physical. But Murphy, to me, you just watch him play, and you know that that's the element of his game that he takes pride in. It's not the fastest player, but he will jam opposing receivers. And I can tell where where the Cardinals thought, man, if we've got Patrick Peterson who we feel like is the quintessential quarterback in this league. And mm-hmm. we've got somebody, the, the capability of Byron Murphy on the opposite side. I can, I can understand where they thought that that was super, super enticing for this franchise. Um, yep. So I, I don't discredit the player that they took. I was always concerned with the position, given the, the situation where the Cardinals were on the offensive line. That was it. Had nothing against Byron Murphy. Again, mm-hmm. everybody thought it was egregious. He had fell that far. The Cardinals um, had teams chomping at the bit to take him afterwards. <laughs> they had teams um, trying to trade up with them, and they're like, nope, absolutely. nope, nope. And they said, nope, we're going to take him. And so hopefully it's a, it's, a, it's a scenario in which five years down the line, Murray and, Mur- and Murphy are both studs for this franchise, <laughs> and it didn't matter that they didn't necessarily address a huge need. Um, but again, I will always just in the back of my mind think of that pick as the non-Cody Ford pick because Cody Ford right now, starting right tackle for the Buffalo Bills, 
Um, and the Cardinals are signing a right tackle. Potentially they're they're, right now. they're signing yeah. his backup, Jordan Mills, who who they cut after last year. It's his replacement, right? Um, which is ironic. The, the league is so funny in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was the the blindside protector for for Kyler Murray at Oklahoma. He was an All American. Um, he he's somebody I thought that just projected so well in this air raid offense because they ran so much of that at Oklahoma. And the Cardinals just and then Murray himself was asked about it. The his opening press conference for the team. I beat this horse to death. I'm sure our listeners are sick of it at this point. But I, all, I, all I'm trying to say is that even with the protection not great on Sunday, I came away super impressed with with Murphy's play. And if if mm-hmm. we're getting that kind of version of of you know Byron Murphy, um, who's just trial by fire, is out there and just making plays on Sunday, you know I I can live with the fact that assuming Kyler doesn't get hurt that they didn't take an offensive lineman at pick 33 yeah and that's obviously we're not discrediting that i would say that the offensive line still seems to be a huge need but this is kind of where some of the obviously they don't have a guy under contract through next year who is a tackle at least for that and you and i are both in agreement at least that it doesn't seem like dj humphreys is going to be the guy that they'll want to sign to a long-term deal i would think that it would be much more likely that they would be letting him go have another team take that on and then potentially being a team like how the Raiders did this year with their signing of Trent Brown. What I think that does lead to is that there's going to be a couple of questions and you and I John have already kind of started some of this debate where a few weeks ago I was like John I don't know through the preseason if they've got enough at wide receiver because they really the only addition that they've made this offseason has been Crabtree to a one-year deal. You drafted Keyshawn Johnson and you don't really have that much else for the most part that you already didn't have last year because Isabella's not playing and Hakeem Butler is on IR. And when he was in camp, it didn't look like he was really ready for uh, to be active on game days whatsoever. So in that sense, it was kind of looking at saying, hey, John, like maybe this wide receiver ends up being a need for the team for another playmaker. And so then that kind of sparked off a little bit of more of debate we've had back and forth. And what I kind of at least have come to the idea of is, and this is just kind of for my end of this part is I still think the team, because they're going to be running four wide receivers all the time and because of where Fitz's age is at, I do think that in next year's class, there's enough guys who are out there that are going to be top of the line, like really good wide receivers. And then you look at this year's draft class as far as with how it was with the tackles. I think there's a really interesting and compelling case that the Cardinals may be looking at another guy to help Kyler Murray next year despite the fact that they may have another need up at opposing pass rusher, despite the fact that they may still not have another guy up the middle. And even despite the fact that if there's an offensive lineman who's sitting there, if they were to take a wide receiver over them, I could see a lot of Cardinals fans acting the same way that you did John too, with not addressing the line with early enough picks. So what I think at least is interesting to me, and this will be kind of what I'll have as like the last part of that. I wonder is, I wonder if the Cardinals are planning on taking, I don't know if it's multiple tackles next year, but what I could see as being a possibility is you take a playmaker in the first round, maybe one of your best players. I, we don't know where the Cardinals are going to pick. They've got anywhere from 1 to 32 right now, John. Now, you and I are pretty sure they're not going to pick 31 or 32 this year. But if you look at how the draft played out for this year in 2019, there's three names that stood out to me when I did kind of a quick breakdown of it. And they were Jawan Taylor, the uh, offensive tackle out of Florida, you saw Cody Ford, the right tackle out of Oklahoma. 
yep. and you saw Dalton Risner, the offensive tackle out of Kansas State. All three of those guys are currently their team's starting right tackle, and they're all mm-hmm. drafted with high picks in the second round. Now, you also have a Greg Little who was inactive for the Panthers, and poor Cam Newton, at least. Uh, he didn't seem to have uh, the best edge protection overall, but he didn't end up needing as much edge protection since it was Aaron Donald he was facing. But you at least got to see those high-end offensive tackles where you didn't necessarily have to draft a tackle in the first. You didn't necessarily have to have a tackle that was selected, you know, with a top 10 pick like uh, or a top 5 pick like the Bengals did with Jonah Williams this year at pick 11. They were at least able to find a starting tackle. It was suitable. It wasn't like it was elite. But and maybe you don't need an elite tackle since you've got a guy like Kyler Murray who's running around. So I don't know. That was just my take that I looked at it, John, was I think yeah. like you can find a suitable tackle doesn't have to be in the top five or the top ten. Mm-hmm. You can find one. The problem is the Cardinals are going to need two tackles, John. <laughs> and so that's where it comes in as far yeah. as with the picks. They've got more cap well, space. I, I think they just don't know for each of I'm curious to I, hear. I'm curious to hear what your thoughts are, John, because I do think the Cardinals need two tackles next year, and I would even take a look. Oh, at I do too. If there's other spots to be able to look at and upgrade, I thought of automatically of a guy like a Ryan Kelly, and I thought of. You know, the uh, when the Seahawks, I believe, made the move with Max Unger, I thought all of a sudden of their starting center and how the Patriots always seem to have a decent starting center. It just seems like that the center position, despite the fact that it's been locked down by A.Q. Shipley, if you can get an upgrade at that spot to create a pocket and have Murray have space to move, that seems like it'll be a huge advantage considering how many... He had four batted balls down the other day, John, and I don't know if it was that the linemen weren't getting their hands on the ball. I don't know if it was that they just weren't creating as much of a pocket. Whatever mm-hmm. reason... It just seemed like the interior of the offensive line wasn't maybe as strong as it could have been. So this, the whole line does need work, and that does lead into this weird question of what do you need more? If you've only got one first-round pick, how, how do you want to address that position then? Yeah, I think they hope that they don't need two tackles. I think you and I on the outside looking in and watching this team as long as we have think that they do need two starting tackles. I think that they had hoped that they could go year to year with Marcus Gilbert. And Hey, if he's injured, that, that flushes those plans right down the toilet. Mm -hmm. And then DJ Humphreys, I mean, he's in no position to garner a multi-year contract, but if he plays respectable this year, I suppose you could bring him back on a one-year deal or or maybe even franchise him. But again, he suggested nothing to the fact that he belongs here long-term. Happy to go year to year with any player, especially on the offensive line. J.R. Sweezy and Justin Pugh are both under contract, and their cap Mm -hmm. hits are manageable next year. Um, So, again, if they're not Pugh necessarily, but Sweezy's only at $5.5 million next year. Um, And so, again, you could see Cole Manning, one of those positions. I I think with with the cap space that they're going to have, they can get creative. They can do like what we've talked about, about this, what the Giants did taking on Zeitler's contract. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very savvy move, picking him up. Um, they can do what um, the Jets did, taking KO's contract away um, from the Oakland Raiders. They're going to have to do something like that, I think, to upgrade um, uh, right from the start. Because, again, the tough part about it is, unless you're getting a transcendent player at, in the top five, um, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like and there, the might, there, might, there might be, yeah. Like, right. there, there like might be a Russell case Okun of a Trent Williams. Let's, or, let's say Trent when, Williams for that one here. Yeah, Trent Williams or he Joe Thomas. He was a top Thomas. three pick. Yeah. Top three pick. Yep, yep, yep. Or the guard from, from Indianapolis where everybody's like, this is a, like a Hall of Fame caliber player. Really, unless you're getting a player like that, they're not going to be great their first year. They're going to have, like everybody else, they're going to have their ups and downs, their transition period. And mm-hmm. so that's the frustrating part is even if you take a top 10 tackle next year, they're going to, they're probably going to break in at right tackle. So I think that they're going to have to get creative again. I think that's the biggest, biggest frustration for me, Blake, is you bring Cody Ford in this year 
and then he's he's ready to, to make a second year leap next year. Um, mm-hmm. So the the free agent class is is not great. It's fine, but again, who lets a stud offensive tackle walk in free agency? Not mm-hmm. many teams. Um, Usually, it's the so, Patriots, and the Patriots have such a great offensive line coach. Some of those guys do well. Some of those guys, yeah. Trent Brown looked pretty good tonight against the against Von Miller, but yeah. again, he was, the Cardinals he was a good were tackle not before too because he was a good yeah. tackle for the Niners. The Patriots traded a third round pick for him. And he's they're gonna get a third round pick next year after he signed one of like the biggest contracts and he was a seventh round guy. The Cardinals didn't have the money to pay him. They they uh put themselves in a poor position with the cap. I do think mm-hmm. they would have looked at him otherwise, but no, they, they wanted to work they wanted to work out with DJ Humphreys. They wanted it to work out with Marcus Gilbert. They just that for whatever reason, this franchise doesn't matter who the GM is. I know people love to rip time. Rod Graves couldn't do it. All the, the former coaches um and offensive gurus couldn't couldn't develop any of these any of these high draft picks um and it's going to take a change into the guard they're going to have to really like uh, like we hope that they lucked into kyler murray they lucked into patrick peterson Mm -hmm. they're going to have to just be at the right place right time and luck into a, a transcendent player on the offensive line because we cannot nobody will give them the benefit of the doubt if they take a lineman late if they in the first round if they Mm -hmm. trade up for a player it's gonna have to be oh this guy's a slam dunk and everybody knows it like you know zeke at running back or you know i I don't know what other example you want to use but just a player where saquon at running back i should say somebody like that where you're just like hey you know that guy's not gonna outside injury that guy's not gonna bust the cardinals can't work in projections they need to get sure things um it's it's they're not the new orleans saints who it seems like every pick that they have you know in the second third round they take an offensive lineman they instantly become you know a, a pro bowler the cardinals don't have that now i do think that their offensive line coach is significantly better than what they had a year ago and who knows maybe they can develop one or two of these young players although it's a little disheartening to see mason cole not playing but he may get his opportunity in due time but i think they're going to be better than last year um i that that goes without saying because murray is so elusive i think they're going to have more sustainable drives i think you know dj will feed off of this unit in the fourth quarter like he did last weekend but they it's going to take significant investments for them to be at the level you watch why dallas has taken an ascension with 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 Dak, they were able to really babysit mm-hmm. him his first two years because the offensive line was so dominant. Tyron Smith and Zach Martin, their their center was a first Lyle round Collins pick. Lyle Collins just got They yeah, got him yeah. for nothing as an undrafted player because of the accusations pre-draft. I mean, so many instances like that. The Cardinals need to catch a break like that where they mm-hmm. luck into a Tyron Smith because right now they just haven't shown the the kind of wherewithal personnel wise to be able to build an offensive line just never it's never yeah. happened like time has just not been a, they have had injury problems with their first two picks and maybe some of it was also just the I don't know if I want to say anything with like with Humphreys the biggest thing has been injuries and the fact that he was never really seen as a guy who was going to be like you know a top 10 uh, tackle in the league that's why he was available in the late first he's still been able to work his way in to essentially being a starting tackle for the most part and he's going to obviously go on to um, get paid by whether it's the Cardinals if there's I think any if reason he plays back, 16 I think if he plays 16 games Blake I think they'll pay him uh, I don't know if that's the we'll right see. decision we'll I, see. I, that's my projection because I think they have such low confidence self-confidence that they could replace him that they know how to develop players I think there's also a sense that Kime has never extended a first round pick and mm, I think anything is an improvement at tackle from what this team has trotted out in years prior 
I think that they they have such low self-esteem that they would do that. And they would say, look at this guy. He played competently. and He played 16 games. Let's give him a nice extension. And I think that would be a mistake. We'll see. see. The biggest thing I would say is I'm wondering about that is because I do know that with Marcus Gilbert, and maybe this is just kind of how it's going to be for the Cardinals, but Marcus Gilbert, he got the same type of – uh, essentially like veteran days off that DJ Humphreys did. So that tells me that between that and then the other stuff with the knee last year where it was kind of, hey, is he going to come back and then eventually going on IR? Makes me think that it might just be that Arizona ends up having, for whatever reason, I mean, like you, you don't want to have a 25-year-old guy be taking veteran days off for that one. So my hope at least is that he'll play all 16 games, he'll be successful, he'll be able to have it where a team will be able to hopefully reward him with a nice contract because, you know, he is a guy who is obviously like he's maybe not not the respected veteran that Marcus Gilbert has been or that J.R. Sweezy is in the locker room, but he's one of those guys who is ultimately like a, a leader on the team in that sense, and I really do hope that things do well, but I also do feel like, and I agree with you, that I think the Cardinals probably feel like maybe they can do a bit better, and they really didn't have that good of an answer for this year. Uh, outside of him and the fact that they are bringing in other tackles on the outside at least if he does end up going down with an injury then that will be kind of unfortunately like it's not that to say as expected we're hoping for the best but you you do want to make sure that you're prepared for the worst and they seem to be at least content for the most part between Justin Murray and um and with uh i believe it's joshua miles to be at that spot so we'll see what goes on i still do agree kind of and john one thing that was interesting that you brought up was the idea of the offensive line with dak prescott and it made me think and realize like you know that first year with dak prescott in 2016 that was kind of the year where they'd assembled almost like this super team for the most part for the dallas cowboys in the 2016 season where they were going to have hey we've got everyone we've got you know des bryant we've got our uh, Ezekiel Elliott that we drafted. We got this great offensive line for Tony Romo. They stumbled into Dak. They then struggled for the next couple of years, and it wasn't until last year after the Cowboys traded that first-round pick for a playmaker in Amari Cooper that suddenly their entire team is kind of turned around and has looked great because you got a guy who suddenly can't be – he can beat guys in one-on-one coverage. You've got enough of a team around it where they look like one of the better teams in the league. So maybe that is maybe that is a case where maybe the Cardinals need to have just a second playmaker will help a lot. Hopefully Larry Fitzgerald will be able to play another season. I think that's the hope most fans have. I don't ever hold it against him after he retires. We've seen with the wear and tear that guys – have with like an Andrew Luck but speaking of Dallas let's talk and do a little bit kind of a quick rapid reaction just before we preview the um, game it's only gonna be probably about like a couple minutes or so just with some stuff on each of the teams but we did end up seeing the Cardinals are despite that the fact that they didn't lose their last place in the division the Rams kind of get a late field goal for the most part I believe uh, or a late score I know at least to lift them up over the Carolina Panthers um the surprise that I think that I had that was interesting John was Baker Mayfield did not get great protection the defense at least in Tennessee side has some short field and overall the Cleveland Browns are just off to a rough start losing 43 to 13 what were some of your thoughts on that as far as with Mayfield and some of the Browns hype that they had coming into the this year yeah i think it signals the fact that if you don't have competent pass protection even if you're this heralded rookie like baker mayfield was last Mm -hmm. year you're going to struggle and i think he can talk to josh rosen about that many of the cardinal games look like that from a year ago and josh rosen didn't have odell beckham or jarvis landry or 
you know, the the, the, the plethora of offensive skill players that, that they have, David Njoku, um, and I think Freddie Kitchens is a, a pretty competent play caller compared to what the Cardinals had. Um, so I don't necessarily feel bad for, for Cleveland. I think that at the end of the day, when you trade away Kevin Zeitler and feel mm-hmm. like you're going to be sta- stable in the offensive line, that's a you problem. Yeah. And the, the Tennessee Titans are, are one of the most physical teams in all of football. They've invested on both lines of scrimmage. And I don't think a lot of people know this. They, they I think they finished seven, nine and seven the past three years. So they've been right there. And then mm-hmm. you talk about the Cleveland Browns, who outside of last season had won one game in two calendar years um, and then came back, of course, last year and won seven games and were hailed as the Super Bowl contender. Listen, I, I like a lot of their personnel. Miles Garrett's a, a star in the making, but I, I was cautiously, you know, hesitant to, to, to crown them even as division champs this year because of right. the fact that the, the, they played, I think, a last-place schedule last year. That I don't think they beat hardly any playoff teams or, or teams with a winning record. And Tennessee, I think, beat New England last year. To mm-hmm. me, it just, it just looks like uh, the Browns may disappoint this year, and I would love to see the Cardinals hang up uh, a big loss on them come November. Yeah, I know that was where, and the, I know I tweeted out, and there was people talking who were just mentioning all the time that hey, like it looks like the Browns are just they're getting out coached by what's happening on the uh, on the other side of the field by the Titans, and I was like, oh well. Yeah, and that was one of the interesting areas where I felt like some almost sadness for a lot of Browns fans because when Steve Wilkes was brought in as their defensive coordinator and people got to at least see, like, they had Derrick Henry went off in the run game. And even though they were able to get a lot of sacks that were racketed, racketed up and they had a lot of sacks in the preseason as well, it is kind of one of those signs of sometimes we have to be able to look at all of the pros and all of the cons of different coaches and players. And some of those cons, like, we're, we're going to start learning some of the stuff about with Cliff Kingsbury and seeing who he's going to be. There's coach is, you know, we joke about Andy Reid and clock management all the time. There's uh, always times where you can joke about, you know, certain defensive coordinators like Greg Williams or other people, but the Browns were also so undisciplined. It was hard to see where there was like, you know, players who got kicked out of games. There was just a, I don't know if it was an anger, but there was just, a, it was a weird edge, at least to the team. Uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars, I feel so sorry for them, but also very, very oddly like impressed and glad for them in one weird way as far as where they lose Nick Foles almost within like 10 snaps of the season on a touchdown pass broken collarbone KC ends up blowing them out but Gardner Minshew comes in and has maybe like one of the strongest rookie debuts we've ever seen as far as completing like 85% of his passes and two touchdowns he came out of the Mike Leach air raid system won the backup job and looks actually really solid for them so I don't know if that's a sign as far as with Maybe there's more to this air raid quarterback type of thing than we're looking at in the NFL because, you know, a pro-style guy for whatever reason um, that we've seen with some of the other guys, like uh, a good example I can think of is maybe it's the scheme adjustment or the way that they're reading teams or maybe more of these air raid concepts are just happening to work their way into the uh, to the NFL, John, and maybe it's, you know, Foles was kind of out of the air raid type, or at least the spread offense, but maybe think of they've got that John Filippo, that offensive coordinator down there in Jacksonville now, so I'll be very curious to watch Minshew moving forward because, hey, if the Jags had to pay $50 million to find their quarterback or if it's a one-game wonder, I guess we'll have to see on that. Yeah, and I think that the Jaguars ha- have the kind of team uh especially up front on the offensive line to be physical they've invested yeah, they got multiple picks multiple free agent signings on a, a two i think it's two second round picks on tackles or something but both of those guys were considered norwell first from round carolina picks. who i yep. who i you know thought would be a perfect fit with arizona last year um 
so I, I think that they're going to be competitive, but again, they don't, he doesn't have the ceiling. I think that, that Foles does when he's at his best. Right. Um, yeah, that's, that team, that's probably true. That team is going to have to play better defensively if they win um, more games. But again, they're not up against Kansas city every week, but that the, to me, that team has eight and eight all or seven to nine, eight, and eight written all over. It. I think they're limited um, at the receiver position, but mm. I think if I would try to give Leonard Fournette 350 carries and see what happens. I mean, that's, that seems <laughs> a little bit crazy, but they were at their bet. I mean, they almost beat New England in the AFC, champ- or AFC Championship game a couple of years ago, riding him. Mm-hmm. Um, and you take a back that high. I, I think that they got a little bit conservative. Um, force turnovers and give Leonard the ball, I think, is what I would do. Yeah, we'll have to we'll see. They had a tough game with the Chiefs up front, obviously. Um, a couple of little surprises around the league. The uh, Vikings defense looked tough. They were able to manhandle Atlanta. Atlanta only put twelve points up on the board. That's going to be a really interesting spot. Where if the Falcons are having Matt Ryan in an off year, maybe that game with Atlanta looks a little bit more winnable. But again, it's Week One. There's a lot of overreaction, so I want to hold off to see because Julio and Matt Ryan still obviously can make magic. And we saw the Cardinals get uh, roasted the last few years. Uh, the Jets, with the Adam Gase experience, ends up losing the, to the Buffalo Bills in week one. I, I have to say, the more I watch Josh Allen, the more I just at least, um, I know we talked about Allen being the guy that the Cardinals were really looking at. That was kind of maybe their number one quarterback in 2018. He just has not looked really any different from a guy who just likes to scramble and throw deep and take a lot of big hits. It was really noticeable where I had my cousin, I think, even mentioned, like, does Kyler Murray like not do well under pressure? I was like, you mean like the scrambles where he like is avoiding taking some? of the hits it's very interesting with how like they've been able to view the uh the quarterbacks in that sense of the different ways they've played the game um i'm also very curious because as we know the jets were the team that essentially let cliff kingsbury get to arizona in some regard whatever maybe cliff wasn't going to stay no matter what but that's always going to be a comparison that you have now you've got this adam gase experience in full regard or in full emotion i should say yeah, and to me, I, mean, he, I thought he would have been the first choice had Cliff Kingsbury not opted to take this job. I think the Cardinals liked what Gates brought to the table. He was an experienced offensive mind. It was the complete opposite of, of bringing in somebody like Steve Wilkes. So I think we should feel fortunate that that Kingsbury picked this team over the Jets because he was courted by, two, by both franchises. We know this yeah. now, um, and Gates, to me— is I, I think he's got a very limited ceiling. I think we know the the first in the in retrospect he he's going to get you six seven eight wins on average. He he could take an elevated team like Miami to the postseason mm-hmm. if everything breaks right. But you know keeping him in that division, knowing what you have to go up against with Belichick. I, as much as I like Sam Darnold, I think that that team. Um, has personnel issues i think they've got ego issues you blow a 16 nothing lead at home to the buffalo bills and josh allen um you've got a a bunch of problems i don't think they're particularly good up front on the offensive line Uh, whereas uh, on the flip side i do think buffalo has very nice defensive personnel i really like devin singletary i I hope they get him uh, more involved and of course john brown breaking out and having yeah uh that's your josh uh, allen receiver right there yeah our (laughs) formal running mate john brown had uh over a hundred yards in the in the the final touchdown, nail on the head for uh, for the Jets uh, looked really nice. Uh, Josh Allen to me though is is still very much a work in progress at quarterback, um, but I, I think he's really more of an athlete playing quarterback. It's funny everybody said that about Lamar, and it's Josh who really needs to work on his accuracy and his placement. But um, to me, those are two franchises kind of with their with their wheels in motion. I think the both of them are around a five hundred team this year at best. Um, I don't know how either one of them hangs anything up on New England this year. 
Yeah, we'll go over, I think, more of the Panthers after you get another week to look at them. But two of the other Cardinals' upcoming rivals uh, did play each other in the Seattle Seahawks and the Cincinnati Bengals. Bengals are able to put up about 418 or so yards for Andy Dalton in the game, despite not having A.J. Green. Uh, that Seattle team at least was able to put them away late. They didn't really pass as much. Like, Tyler Lockett was gone until he, I think, of a leave believe caught a touchdown at the end it just feels like that the seattle team essentially is still gonna find ways to win but they did look a little bit more susceptible be very interested to see what happens at least with them and uh, once jadavian Clowney it gets maybe a little bit more settled but uh, it was kind of an interesting spot where the cardinals we've talked about this is the easy part of the schedule they didn't look like they were teams that were going to be like uh, impossible world beaters but they didn't look like they were impossibly weak either um, the only team that, to me, at least did seem like it was probably going to be a little bit lost uh, as far as for competitors upcoming was uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers under Bruce Arians. Um, Jameis ends up throwing two picks, one of them for six at the end of the game. Bruce put the uh, bulk of it onto one of the running backs, not going into the exact right spot that he needed to be. I do think, John, that this is an area where we've wondered if this – Arians offense and this kind of, you know, second, the, uh, what is the East Coast Cardinals is going to be as successful the next time around. I do think that it'll take some time. It did take time with Carson Palmer, and then we got to see the explosion. It was probably about week eight or so. The defense was already right there. Do you think that this is a spot where we're going to end up seeing it take about halfway through this season? Because that'll be like, you know, week 10. That's right when the Cardinals will be playing them, if that's when it turns on. Or is it going to be kind of a spot of just this is Bruce Arians finally getting that number one quarterback that really isn't – it's kind of either the quarterback whisperer, but is this a quarterback who's just too deaf to hear him in Jameis? Yeah, it might be a work ethic problem. I, I saw something that Arians doesn't try to judge a quarterback until midseason, especially when they're learning a new offense Palmer looked really inept, um, not necessarily against his first start to open his Cardinal career against the Rams, but um, the, the, I think the Cardinals started one and two that season. He didn't look particularly good. Fans and, and media alike were screaming at the franchise to, to go to somebody else. And to their credit, Aaron's credit, they stuck with it. I think the bigger story to me um, is the, the, the defensive play under Todd Bowles. That defense is super mm-hmm. limited, much more limited than the, than the offense is. And they looked really good. Yep. Uh, Jameis threw, um, you know, multiple interceptions, pick sixes. Uh, that Todd Bowles led defense. He is just, I think, one of the best, if not the best, defensive coordinator in football. And so good. to me, that having him, if they can get him, a couple years to, to develop that unit with the, the the amount of high draft picks, Vita Vea, the linebacker they took this year, a couple of the uh, pieces in the secondary, I, I think that that could be a unit that we're talking about is one of the most improved in the NFL. But, I mean, they got a long way to go. They, they, to me, this roster doesn't compare to what Arians and, and Bulls inherited in 2013. The Cardinals um, rebuilt on the fly. They did a phenomenal job under Steve Kime, and Jason Light's got his, got his work cut out for him to do the same. Yep. And the last game we'll talk about tonight was the shellacking of the Miami Dolphins, which it just it seems like that Josh Rosen went from out of the frying pan into the fire, unfortunately, as far as teams go. Um, there's been reports of some players who've wanted to be traded. Um, I don't know how much, obviously, there's the pro football talk is the one that's there. The Dolphins obviously have denied that, and it doesn't feel like it's a tanking as far as trying to lose, but when they trade away Laramie Tunsil, despite all the talk and promises and have cut so many players from the team, it seems like that was kind of the feeling where there just was not any type of... There's some fire, there's some effort for the most part, but it also was just a spot of where when you watch the Baltimore Ravens, you had Hall 
Hollywood Brown get deep beating a few guys just like he did in college, had well over 100 yards, one of the best you know wide receiver debuts we've seen in a while. You had Lamar Jackson, didn't even run for the most part, was able to escape under pressure through for four passing touchdowns. And you had a Ravens team that up 35-3 to and on a fourth and one ran a, a fake punt and then we're like, you know, running four verts just to basically pile on the points. They could have hit 60 points, and eventually they finally kind of were like, all right, well, not going to have to worry about this much more. Yeah, The Cardinals are going to be going and facing the Ravens on the road. Is this going to be a spot where the Cardinals, like we saw, are going to get destroyed? Or do you think that there's going to be some hope for Cardinals fans at least going into this game next week? Yeah, I, I think that the Cardinals are in a position where they can't play any worse offensively to start the game. I think the biggest concern is the East Coast time difference. Um, they've historically never done well going uh, East to play um, mm-hmm. any number of teams. And that 10 a.m. start time is, is difficult. 10 a.m. our start time, uh, 1 o'clock East Coast time. And so I, I think Baltimore, I think, will be a little bit full of themselves considering the, the, the outing they had. But I think where this game's going to be won is can the Cardinals run the football on a Baltimore defense mm-hmm. that in my opinion regressed from last year. Um, and for whatever reason, um, they inexplicably let CJ Mosley walk. Um, they still have a couple nice pieces in their secondary, but their mm-hmm. linebackers to me are not, um, as strong as they've been in the past. I think the Cardinals are going to have some opportunities. You didn't see it from Miami because it's Miami. Um, but I think that, Everybody wants to focus on ball offense, and for good reason. And anybody in, in in pro football this year, but you know, you look at the names defensively, and it's a lot of Kenny Youngs and Matthew Juden. Sure, they've got Brandon Williams still. Yeah, the, but their I mean, secondary is their secondary is really good. Like they've they've got like Pernell McPhee is a decent player for that. But you're totally right in that it's basically their the, front seven's not what it yeah, was. It's not what it was. You're right, and that's where when the Dolphins, at least for the most part, without the off, but they've got like who who knows what on the offensive line, and so it's easier to obviously rush the passer. And then when you've got all of those issues, but you're right. The strength of this team ultimately is in they've got both Jimmy Smith and Brandon Carr, and then Marlon Humphrey on the other side and then at safety and jimmy got, smith isn't going to play yep. this weekend nope he's out this week for that one so that's at least one thing that's helpful for the cardinals uh ironically that's where justin bethel even ended up at least so he's on the special teams unit there so it's, it's a cardinal reunion for that secondary because you've got tony jefferson there and then Car- longtime cardinals enemy earl thomas he is there as their free safety so i think the biggest question i have john you're right is that the defense obviously is not the same as how it was they still seem to be able to get obviously uh you know plays they have just they're always well schemed and well coached but it's the offense that looks really just with lamar jackson coming on in the passing game he had a lot of times where people he just looked like he was not able to throw the ball accurately at times last year this year he's been able to be much improved on his deep pass and you've got weapons at least like you look at not just the hollywood brown who was mentioned um you, but you talk about the uh with even not just Willie Sneed and with Seth Roberts who are decent depth guys but they've got a really good tight end in Mark Andrews and they also have another first round pick in Hayden Hurst 
And so when you talk about that and their offensive line with a first-round pick and Ronnie Staley, you talk about uh, they drafted even one of the Kyler Murray's guys in Oklahoma in the fourth round this year to back up. You've got Marshall Yanda at right guard. You've got Orlando Brown, who to me is kind of the one kind of, oh, Cardinals should have taken that guy if you could have in the third. Yep, they definitely should have. Because he was one of those players who you put on the film. He was great. He had a terrible combine that was tested out, but he's been a great player. I think it's going to be an area where I don't think it's going to be the same fireworks or explosion because I think the Cardinals right now just have a few mismatch options where they don't have the same secondary and it's on the road in a 10 a.m. game. I think this is going to be a spot where the Cardinals aren't going to get blown out, but I don't think that it's going to be a spot where it's a close game. And I think that some of those mistakes will hurt where this is this may be the low point of the season is what I'm going to at least predict for this. Um, I don't think it's going to be, you know, the same 24 to 6 train wreck we had so far. I think that they're going to end up having adjustments. They'll have learned. They'll have a few more spots up front. They might even run the ball a little bit more than they did uh, with David Johnson and even with Kyler Murray. But I don't think it's going to be the same fireworks of like Lamar Jackson throws for six. Kyler Murray follows it up with six. It'd be awesome if it turns into that for the most part. But I think that it's going to be a little bit more of a difficulty. So I've got the Cardinals losing this game. I think it's going to be a 35 to 21 loss. I don't think it's going to be 35. It could be 35 24, honestly, maybe with a late field goal. But I think this ends up being one of the lower points of the Cardinals season for the most part. Now, if I'm wrong on this, then I'll gladly take that loss because you're right John there are definitely some susceptible things with the Ravens and that side but until the Cardinals can perform consistently with those early East Coast time games usually you always have to go with their opponent yeah I'm right there with you I think that the 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 offense for the Ravens is it's going to be more methodical the Cardinals are going to do what they can to limit the big play um and so you're going to see um a lot of Mark Ingram right at the middle of the Cardinal defense where they're most susceptible to giving up yardage. It's going to be a lot of five, seven, nine-yard gains. Um, So you might not see the explosiveness that you saw a week ago. I mean, that Miami team has a chance to be one of the worst fielded um, teams, top to bottom, 53, that we've seen maybe since, what, the the 2008 Lions team? I think the Browns' winless team even had more talent. Um, So I think you just got to throw that out the window and just say, okay, what did they do successfully, and how can we limit that with our personnel, who we think is an uptick better, obviously, than than what they had, certainly offensively. I think the Cardinals need to keep – it sounds so cliché – to keep that explosive offense on the sideline. And again, we're not talking about veteran players. I mean, mm-hmm. Lamar's in his second year. Hollywood Brown's played one pro game. Let's yeah. let's get a little bit physical with him. Let's try to rush, uh, you know, from the inside as opposed to. I mean, uh, Chandler Jones and, and Terrell Suggs made a, a a very respectable left tackle and Taylor Decker look awful on Sunday. So per, perhaps they can exploit um, the two young tackles for Baltimore, and then just defensively. I would try to ride David Johnson early and set the tempo for this game. If you come out mm-hmm. after they're high on themselves from that beating they gave, I mean the Cardinals are a thirteen point dog. You don't think they're they're using that to their to their advantage this week to try to get motivated. I would line up and just try to ram David Johnson at them consistently and just try to be as demoralizing as I can to continue to string along positive drives, play field position. The longer the Cardinals are in this game, the more they feel like they can hang with Baltimore. And again, Baltimore is not New England. They're not Kansas City. And the Cardinals played right. with Kansas City uh, last year. So I, I think that the the, the skeptics uh, really are kind of blowing this out of proportion. Could I see this going off the rails? Absolutely. Kyler Murray interception, turnovers offensively, um, defense just runs out of gas. But I, I think that there's mm-hmm. enough positive momentum from last week. I think this game is going to be relatively close. 
Hmm. I'm going to say the Cardinals lose. I'm going to be optimistic here and say the Cardinals lose somewhere in the neighborhood of 31-27. I think it's. I think that they're going to yeah, play better than too. people think. Um, I, I don't think they're going to be able to secure the win. I could see a late Justin Tucker field goal. But again, I, I don't think Baltimore is some contender now because they beat the hell out of the Miami Dolphins who are openly yeah. tanking. Um, the Cardinals, to me, are are better. They've got a much better quarterback. Lamar Jackson, I threw this out on Twitter. Everybody loves hmm. Lamar Jackson. I wanted the Cardinals to draft him. I thought he would have been a good player. I did, I did too. We it, talked and had a lot of debates about was he like absolutely, the actual QB one that year or not. But <laughs> here's the thing. Lamar Jackson was asked to throw 20 times hmm. last weekend. 20 times. He completed 17, of course. Do you know how many times Kyler Murray was asked to throw in his first game with a rookie head coach 54 times that's just the difference between expectation the ravens traded up for from lamar sat him a lot of last Mm -hmm. year rebuilt their offensive line had a capable defense a year ago i mean just a complete kyler's been asked to save this franchise top to bottom lamar's been asked to not run the car off the road now he played great last week i'm happy for him mitch trubisky i think had a game last year where he threw five touchdowns too and look how poor he looked against the Green Bay Packers last week. Let's just yeah, let's take it's, a it's one the game team, at a time. It's the team around him, obviously, I think is part of it is much better where the Cardinals are in a spot where they're rebuilding, where you're looking at, you're talking about two playoff teams from last year with those quarterbacks who are rookies. So Kyler, essentially, you're right in that sense is he is kind of carrying the franchise in that yep. regard in a lot of different ways, whereas Lamar hasn't had to for the most part. And so I'm at least overall excited. I do think it is an interesting spot of a lot of people looking back, though, is if he does go on to have a better career than the likes of an Allen or a Rosen or even if one of Darnold or Mayfield end up stumbling or not being as great, then it turns into another whole spot of, you know, all of the different types of how you grade and evaluate quarterbacks at least will be very interesting, especially in this new NFL that, you know, is seeming to be able to have some guys that you just, you never know. You never know where a Carson Wentz will come out of. And sometimes you never know when a baseball player will end up saying, hey, instead of playing for the athletics, I'm and a lot of people still joked and said Kyler was going to go back after that first uh, that first half for the Cardinals. Then um, you, sometimes you don't know, and it ends up being once you do find that guy, you don't let him go. And I'm honestly very excited to see these two guys, and hopefully it'll be some fun fireworks because it's going to be a while uh, potentially before they end up uh, meeting again, unless it ends up being um, in a you know a few years down the road with the schedule, or if it ends up being like if both of them end up being you know the top two quarterbacks to uh, Lord willing that the Cardinals and Ravens would end up getting to. Super Bowl. It'd be really fun to see these two guys who are Heisman winners who can run a 4-240 being able to kind of square off would be really fun. So I'm, I'm excited for the game, John. I do think at least as long as you can show another step forward, I think it's fine to take a step back from that fourth quarter as long as you don't step back and play the entire game like how you did the first three quarters. Absolutely right there with you. I'm just hoping for another entertaining finish. Yep. That'll be wrapped up, at least for us, for this episode of the Revenge of the Birds podcast. Um, again, we've had our contest that's been running uh, for uh, the T-shirt that we have, our Revenge of the Birds podcast T-shirt. We're basically going to have it where if you do want to keep posting that, continue with it. Uh, we'll have our winner that we'll have picked out, and then at the end we'll have that announcement, at least. That'll be fun on our next week's show once we get back from the Ravens game. So, again, thanks so much for tuning in. You can find us if you found us for the first time. Thanks to uh, maybe that contest or if you're along time uh, listener and subscriber uh, thank you again so much for tuning in um, you can listen obviously if you want on uh, anywhere from apple podcast to spotify to google play uh, even himalaya something like that is still available um, you can find me on twitter at blake murphy seven if you want to drop a line john where can our listeners find you 
Yeah, at Johnny Touchdown on Twitter and putting something up on Jordan Mills and the potential signing of the new Cardinal right tackle yep. here. So check uh, that out. Check that out, guys. Soon. It'll be yep, up there that, for you. Yep, that came from Gambo tonight. Uh, we should have more news on that tomorrow, but stay tuned, everybody.